Your face looks like a meatball, but you're full of Canadian pride. I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Or you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Roast Mortar Podcast, the only podcast devoted entirely to the finest beer in the world, Miller Lite. We are drinking it again. I am Tom. Tom, are you a hophead like I am? Dude, I sure am. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to say uh, the finest hops I've ever tasted from, was from this fine Pilsner. I'm Travis, and let me tell you, Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> I am Cody. I have nothing to do with this weird-ass sponsorship. I'm Mike. I like Miller Lite. It's pretty good. Don't be confused. This isn't a sponsorship. This is an endorsement on our end. If you haven't heard of Miller Lite, it is truly the finest beer on the market. You can try all kinds of beers at any beer festival. IPAs, stouts, double IPAs, pale ales, sours, gozes, whatever you want. They're all garbage. You're coming back to the Miller Lite. Well, I, the only one that will give it its run for its money is... Budweiser. I was going to... Oh, wow. See, this is where we differ as hopheads. All right. Uh-oh. This is how we Uh-oh. really differ, because I was going to say, as a hophead, I was going to say um, Rolling Rock. Mm. There's horses on every can you get. There's that, horses. That's true, but also <laughs> Budweiser's Jeez. have horses often as well. Clydesdales, mm. they call them. Well, oh, amazing yes, animals. And the show's not about animals. Yeah. It's not. It's it's fucking not. If you notice, every episode we've ever done, we've never talked about an animal. <laughs> yeah, well, we haven't. And I just want to say that this not only is an educational program, you can get our, your degree, you can get certifications, you get whatever you need from here, but we're also kind of source of the beer. Yes. But we don't exclusively talk about beer. We talk about dead people. Yeah. Uh, how was your dead week, Cody? Uh, it's fine. Didn't do much. Sat around... Uh... Counted my toes. They're all still there. Dude, that's sick. I do that like three times a day. Oh, you do too? Yeah. What about you, Mike? I had a pretty good week. It's just uh, pretty an average. Average week, eh? Yeah, just uh, working on houses and whatnot. How many of those dungaroos you ate this week? I had about two boxes, maybe. <laughs> all right. And you're feeling good? Yeah, why not? You are younger than us. Yeah, he's got so, a metabolism. I got time. Time's yeah. on my side. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm very lucky because I, I don't like get fat, but I get unhealthy and stiff. Like oh, I feel like yeah. that right now. I have uh, plaster of Paris within my blood when I eat these things. See, I get. I'm sure to be diabetic within a few years. I get fat. I get hard. Like <laughs> not hard, penis hard. I mean, my body just hardens. It makes my you veins. Tougher. Yeah, <laughs> the plaster of Paris. Yeah. That's when I visit the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. (laughs) That's called calcification, Travis. That's very not good for your veins. Dude, it's all right. I just, like, I just pump, and it it pushes it out. Tom, (laughs) how's your week? My week, pretty normal, but not like Mike normal. Okay. I feel like I did something else. Oh, well, we had a great episode of Heavy Hole recorded, Mm. and uh, in studio tonight, kind of just hanging out, we have Justin over there, who I know, Travis, you just fucking hate. I mean, Justin's one of those, like, jerks, and... (laughs) Like, if I had to explain how much of a jerk Justin is, right now he's he's touching my stomach. He's giving a touch on you. Yeah, well, you're touching... I didn't tell you you could touch my he's stomach. He's assaulting him right now. Have one of these drinks, uh, because it's a how great beer. How does he beer. keep breaking into the house? I don't know, dude. He's but, in recovery. Don't Tribe, if you hated me before, you're going to hate me after I drink all of your beautiful 
Miller Light beers. Probably, if you have any taste mm. in beer, you're drinking Miller Light. That's true. Say. Even brings, awful people have great taste. Yeah, it brings even the worst of enemies together. Yeah, he's Miller like Light. he's like the Grinch that stole everything, and like he's drinking a great beer. Oh, uh, the Grinch that stole all my shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're weak though, Travis. I uh, it's great. It's great. It's great. Moving yeah, on. Good week, dude. Uh, well, I've, I I I I thinking about animals that eat things out of the garbage a lot. All right, cool. <laughs> well, this is really uh, a great episode so far. We've, we've talked about the finest yeah. beers and Cody talking about his fucking toes for some reason, and Mike eating. They're getting tanner. shit. <laughs> but we're having a good time here. Let's do a chopping thing. Oh yeah! All right, yeah, do it. All right. So you know what's really fun? You know, I was hold, hold on. Pause for a second. Oh. Just looking at this premium <laughs> suit I got going on. Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> Cody, I'll describe good, it to right? you. Where did you get that? It's Travis <laughs> taking a shit in a Home Depot bucket. <laughs> and he's got leather booties on. <laughs> I'm so confused. What's going on? Nothing. Don't worry about it. All right, so let's get into the episode. All right. You know what's really fun, guys? Making fun of your neighbors. Yeah? Because, oh, yeah. like, yeah. your neighbors are always stupid. Because they don't live where you do. Right? And that's like number it's one. It's close. It's dumb. Kind of, yeah. 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 So tonight, we are going to be roasting our neighbors to the north again. I did an episode on Mexico? Next... No, Cody. That's different. What are you, upside down? You oh. in the upside down right now? <laughs> What's going on? Okay, I'm sorry. We're roasting a Canadian. Oh, what? Oh. The All wild, right. wild west. So what kind of Canadian are we talking about? So are we t- talking about like Jim Carrey, a funny guy, or like, you know, Rob Ford, a sad a man? Can we do a Mountie? No, tonight we're talking about a man named Sam Hughes. Now, I don't know if you're Canadian. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know who this guy is. Maybe not. It you know like damn a- well I'm not Canadian. Well, yeah. Well, you're too... You're on the podcast, Cody. Have yeah. you guys ever been to, to the Canada? Audience. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Got tattooed there. Fuck. Only thing yeah. I've been to was uh, Niagara Falls. But anyway, we're talking about Sam Hughes. He was the Minister of Defense and the driving force behind Canadian enlistment during World War One. Hmm. Ah, yeah. How could we forget? Sam Hughes sounds like the name of the actor who played the president in the Ministry of Defense, <laughs> which is a A&E movie that came uh, out. Uh, so well, Sam Hughes, actor. Sam Hughes was an actor in the political sphere. He was a politician, some might say. Or actually, oh. everyone would say. Was he voted into office? He was voted into office. Great, I love it. Ah. Sam was a loud, emotionally unstable lunatic and he was so passionate and deranged in what he was talking about that he was nicknamed the Madman. Mm. Whoa! I thought this was a Canadian. Aren't those guys usually nice? Ooh, this is a full not- of maple That's syrup. What I hear too. I hear the Canadians are really nice people. They are. It's a not nice person. This fucker mm. sent hundreds of thousands of Canadian men to die in the trenches of France and Flanders while actively supporting defective equipment and supplies to his soldiers and starting shit about generals that he appointed and discredited them, calling them incompetent, all while they're fighting over there. Like Gossip Boy. He's a gossip boy, right? Great actor. Spreading gossip. One of those generals was a man named Arthur Curry, and Sam called him the Butcher. Was he a butcher? Yeah, he was making, he was like, so everyone was shooting on the in the trenches, and he was just making sausages. All right, cool. <laughs> oh, come on. Canadian uh, maple syrup flavored meats. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, okay, so yes, World War One was a killing field. Men were marching up against new technology uh, mm-hmm, designed mm-hmm. to stack bodies. But was Sam's criticism legit about Curry? We're going to find out when we roast this idiot right now. All right, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Is that your Canadian impression? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so Sam Hughes was born January 8th, 1883 in Durham County, West Canada, which is now Ontario, Providence. Mm. He was the third of four boys and had seven sisters. It's a lot of kids. Yeah. I mean, you live with a bunch of sisters. I have three sisters. Imagine seven of them. Mm. I might be gayer. (laughs) (laughs) Just a bit, just a bit. Durham County was a rural country full of old immigrants. And when I say old immigrants, I mean not just they're old. I mean they are they old. They all moved over there. It was like one of those Norwegian cruises that came over <laughs> here with like all 70 and up people. And they were like, well, this is the last stop. We ran out of fuel. <laughs> yeah, they ran out of prunes. This ship's going to the yard. Old immigrants were English, Scots, Irish, and French Canadians. Okay. Because they weren't mm-hmm. considered people. We oui, oui. uh, Sam's family were, were Northern Irish and were extremely Protestant and members of the Orange Order. Now, the Orange v- Order think like the KKK, but they hate Catholics. And instead of dressing up in white hoods, they look like the Kool-Aid man, but for Tropicana. Also, the person who named them the Orange Order, correct? That's <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, is like that one guy who had ate an orange once, because that was imp- it was impossible to get oranges at these times. So the guy who ate it once just told people how cool it was to eat an orange. Really annoying. Tropicana Dave. <laughs> He's just like, we're calling this the Orange Order, brothers. Yeah, exactly. They're super pro-English and pro-Crown. So suffice to say, mm-hmm. Sam Hughes turned out to be a racist boy. He hated Roman Catholics and also French Canadians. And if you live in Canada, you're going to have to deal with the wee poo poo myself. You know what I mean? No, I don't speak French. Yeah? Well, no, yeah. Pick up Muzzy, dude. He's <laughs> He's doing Duolingo. Yes, that's stupid. French they are speaking. <laughs> so now if you look at history's most shitty generals or m- military men, there's usually some sense of destiny fulfillment, right? So like their father was a general and they wanted to be like daddy or they had a military lineage and somehow they feel like they were just born a tactician, you know? Right. Uh-huh. Like I there's did- people that are like plumbers that are like that. My dad made shoes. How are you doing as a cobbler, Cody? <laughs> oh, my fingers hurt and I can't get the soles to stick. Awful. If I liked pie, I'd probably like peach cobbler, but I don't like pie. Um, it's not, no. I can't believe that you don't like pie. It's gross. I like meat pies. Which they have in Canada. You just don't like fruit, dude. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm not a Tropicana boy like this idiot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Wow, nice callback. (laughs) That's fine. What? So, in Sam's case, it was the latter. He had this military lineage. Both of his grandfathers fought in the Battle of Waterloo for opposing sides. One under Wellington, the other one under Napoleon. I don't believe Sam actually met his grandparents, but he said... These two old veterans gave not only an inspiration, but an education throughout my life. All right. That's fine. I mean, most people don't meet Jesus and live by that shit. So what are you going to do? But like, were you inspired by like, I I never met you and one of my grandparents. I don't walk around saying like, oh, my God, I am the best ice cream maker because my grandfather was an ice cream maker. I've never met him. He never taught me his secrets of ice cream making. 
Yeah, I, I've actually done some thinking hmm. on this. I wish I was a better storyteller because I've taken after my grandma's storytelling. It hasn't served me well. I go on tangents. Oh, well, you I, like painting pictures. I like painting pictures. I can put you in the room. I just can't tell you what's happening in the room. So Sam <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sam joined the Canadian militia at the age of 12. Young little boy. Well, he got nothing else going on. Yeah. yeah. Can, like normal back what then, do you too. ask? Yeah, what do you ask twelve-year-olds to do in the military? Like just peel potatoes and shine shoes? Yeah, probably. No, clean fi- guns, fire guns, and kill people. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Shoot French Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> so Canada at the time didn't have a standing army, but uh, they were all sitting down. Oh, wow! <laughs> Whoa! Lazy wow! That joke. <laughs> Get ready for that. Yeah. But as part of the British Empire, the Redcoats were stationed along the Canadian border. But Canada would mainly use uh, its militia to defend itself. And if you kind of think of the militia as like the army reserves, uh, mm-hmm. these were people that had basic military training. They'd continue their training throughout their life, but they had, and they would be deployed during conflicts, but they had regular jobs during peacetime. Yeah, everyone was working in a pizza shop or making poutine or shaving someone's head. Oh, I love poutine. <laughs> what? Uh, like, That's a job, right? Do you think... <laughs> how do you say, say barber in French? French-Canadian barber. Bunch of barbers. Like, did a French-Canadian barber, like, fuck up bacon up there? Like well, they they put on like a they put on like a they put on like a number three and they were supposed to do a number two. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, the slicer was too big. It was off. My globe slicer. That's my deli homies. So the militia was basically kind of like a social club for dudes to get away from their families, get drunk, and fire guns. So little baby Sam is learning how to fire guns and march around, and he actually turns into a pretty burly ass dude. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, it happens when you fire guns. He grows up. Now, his radical Protestant ideas would actually get in the way of his initiation into the militia. You see, as part of the initiation, he was required to drink from a passed-around bottle of Canadian whiskey. So everyone would go around, you're a, you're a member of our militia, drink this little uh, whiskey. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so goes around, the sergeant passes it to Sam. He refuses. The sergeant then orders Sam to drink. Sam again refuses. So the sergeant grabs him by the jaw and tries to force the whiskey down his throat. Well, that sergeant was drunk sergeant. as fuck. Yeah, he was probably fucking wasted. So, but Sam pulled him off of the sergeant off of him, grabbed a rifle and hit the sergeant in the face with the butt of the rifle, and then fixed his bayonet and refused to drink. Wow, that was all coming from What's Sam. What's his problem? Why? There's a twelve-year-old boy beating up a a burly sergeant. You know? Why isn't this story over yet? Uh, because Sam was a teetotaler. He believed oh. in temperance. As Lame. A, as a good old Christian. All right, so this boy is not drinking, he's not smoking, he's just being a big old boring boy, and with that, I'm going to drink my beer. The finest Miller Lite on the face of the planet. <laughs> All right. Miller boy. Be happy, Miller drinkers. The same thing is in every can. <laughs> Rejoice. Cons- consistency. All right, so a year after joining the militia, he's called to fight in the uh, Fenian Raids in 1966. Or 19, 1866. Wait, when was uh, he born? He was born in uh, 18... 18 80-something? 80-something. No, 1850-something. All right, so I think you fucked that up because I think I, I, I was under the impression he was born in the 18... 
eighties. Did it, I say eighteen eighties? I think it was part of World War One. Yeah. Yeah, He's, I think you... Uh, he was born in 1853. Did I say 1883? Okay. I think you fucked up, but uh, any of our listeners who care to write in and tell Travis he's a fuck, <laughs> go for it. He's born in 1853, and now nice. it's 1866. Great. Okay? <laughs> so these Irish-American Civil War vets were raiding Canada, and they were taking... They were ransoming the land that they took in Canada back to Great Britain in order to free Ireland. So like this is my land. You want back Great Britain? Give me Ireland. All right, that's cool. That's so confusing. It's childish. It's <laughs> yeah. fun and childish. So yeah. I, so Hughes saw a little bit of action there. He said he never fired a shot in anger. All oh, right. I just wanted to set it up because this guy is a military boy. He's got to start his thing. He was thirteen years old with firing guns, and he never shot while he was angry. Yeah, never he went shot and talked it out. Excuse mm-hmm. me. He, went, he hugged it out. Yeah, who's like, hey, let me find a best friend. <laughs> Talk it out yeah, and not them. shoot at him. Yeah, why are we shooting at each other, man? Yeah. You're- oh, uh, excuse me. I'm not angry. That's what I'm talking about. I will about. shoot you. <laughs> I, will, I will shoot you because I am not angry. Not one bit. How dare you think I'm angry? All right, so at the ripe old age of 16, while he was still in the militia, Hugh becomes a teacher. What did he teach? Oh. School. For children. <laughs> what okay. kind of child like, school? Like primary school at uh, 16. A 16-year-old right. primary school Wow, teacher. really smart. Yeah, right? That, apparently that was a normal thing. Sam Hughes, smartest man Roast Mortem's ever talked about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he still maintained he never shot any of those kids in anger. <laughs> Not one. Well, actually, one of his students said he ran his classroom like a drill hall. But he had a strange habit of eating chalk during class. <laughs> oh, just, ew! Eating that chalk, y'all. You ever seen uh, the Declaration of Independence? That's not even here. It's over there, you idiot. Oh, this is pre-Pepto. Yeah, just eating that chalk. Just like those '90s teachers that we had that constantly ate Tic Tacs. Oh. Yeah, they're sweeter, but you're just eating bullshit. <laughs> So that would be teaching would be his main career throughout his life uh, before politics. He bounced around Canada. He worked on the railroad. He actually invented some contraption for the train. So he's one of those like jack of all trade idiots. You know what I mean? What's uh-huh. the was the contraption the loudspeaker that said, "Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin, and I am fat." <laughs> That's exactly what he invented. He invented that. Very cool. Sam, I told you he was a burly boy, and he actually, he's very athletic. You know, even into his, like, 30s, he played on Toronto's Champion Lacrosse League. Oh, Slacks so it up! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro. yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. You said he plays lacrosse. How many kids did he have? Because when you play lacrosse, you got a lot of impregnantes. Oh, oh yeah. It's so yeah. impregnantes. He had a bunch of kids. Yeah. He's popping them out. He's like hitting them black sticks. He's like going around the goal. He's like shooting at the side. Lacrosse Cradling. players always have the most babies. Cradling. I read that somewhere. I just wanted Whatever to sh- athlete, uh, out of all the athletes, lacrosse players have the most babies. I just wanted to show you what his lacrosse team looked like because I oh, thought this was cool. hilarious. This is Sam Hughes here. Wow. But look at these sticks. They're like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they're going fishing. Thomas Paint me a picture. These schmucks look like they're in prison. Yeah, right? <laughs> they all look they like always me. look so serious back then. They always look like they're miserable. Well, look at this guy all the way on the left here. He's lounging. Yeah, they're they're hanging <laughs> out. They're cuddling. All right, yeah, there's two gentlemen laying on the on the bottom left of this photo, and they're 
one of the arms is over the other. You know why? Because the 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 guy whose arm is being saddled, he's probably Pregnante. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goalie, and he's got you know Pregnante cramps. The gentlemen, they're both, they're everyone's wearing shitty hats. What's up with this hat? This I, is an awful hat. It's a Kangle hat. They look like line cooks. Mike, you played lacrosse. Is this what you wore? Yeah, basically. All right. I cool. used to cuddle like that too. <laughs> <laughs> So, Sam quit teaching at the age of 33. I'm done with it. Don't want to teach. I have a life to live. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got to make my own kids. And he bought a local conservative newspaper in Victoria called the Victoria Warder. So, I guess they used to pay teachers back then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What? Whoa. Yeah, not anymore. Because now teachers, they leave the school and they go buy Hot Pockets. I mean, my teacher. My teacher bought the Huffington Post. Uh, that makes sense. Because my teachers suck too. <laughs> no, but the Victoria Warder and most local papers in Canada at the time were kind of like Fox News, just filled to the brim with racist garbage and slander. Or the Huffington Post. Okay. Depending on what okay. side you're on. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you don't like as a listener, whatever kind of news media you take in, imagine the bad guys. Yeah. That's what he's doing. As long as it's radical and filled with no, non-facts. That's, yeah. That's what this guy's doing. So his first target, because you guys guess what he's going to go after in his newspaper? No. Americans. No, the Roman Catholics. Wow. Remember, he hates oh, them I was Catholics. Say that. You're right. You're Fuck. right. All right. Sorry, yeah. I forgot. He called them the Romanists, and he referred to them as disloyal murder planning society during one case of smallpox there was a case of smallpox epidemic in montreal which is french canadians obviously um he said that he felt bad for the french people but that they were very little better than a brute the poor creatures have for ages been kept in darkness ignorance and superstition until now they are so dulled and blind as to be insensible to ordinary feelings of humanity all right it's a lot of hatred. Troglodytes. Right? Yeah. He's like, they're not even like human anymore. Yeah. It's kind of fucked. Well, I feel like that was a little kinder than you're letting it on to be. Might have been a sympathetic thing. How is that kind? Uh, you know. They invented poutine. They can't be dull and blind. They understand flavors. Yo, that flavors have nothing to do with your blindness. Yeah, well, it's taste, actually, but you see, you taste first with your eyes. That's not true at all. Look at Guy Fieri. Yeah, Guy Fieri. He doesn't even know where his eyeballs are. He puts his, he puts his sunglasses on the back of his head. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe he just has eyes on the back of his head. Oh, yeah, yeah, about that? Uh, he doesn't, because he's a fat, shitty human <laughs> that I totally want to party with. Me too. I want to. I want to get some donkey yeah. sauce, some tequila. With the, he has tequila. That he's making with Sammy Hagar now. Every insult I've ever thrown his way has been an endearing one, and oh. I hope he hears it and just understands that I'm his friend. I'm, I'm throwing jabs. Should get him on the podcast. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, Fieri was on the podcast. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> some dead chefs or something like that. I think he probably walked down to the studio and be like, "You guys don't have enough flames on your shirts. I gotta leave." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Sam was actually, during his time in the paper, he was sued for slander. Someone had burned down his press, and a few times an anonymous assassin shot at him. That's how much shit he was throwing. So Sam Hughes, for Sam Hughes, there was no gray area. If you didn't agree with him, you were the enemy. So anyone like liberals, anti-militia, anti-temperance, all those figures, 
He would publish scandalous, fictitious editorials in his paper. The only thing that he believed in was conservative views, and because of his paper, he became almost a conservative powerhouse and like worked his way into politics. All right, sounds like my kind of guy. <laughs> Just because he bought an outlet of media? Hmm. Yeah. Makes it happen, dude. He was elected to Parliament in 1892, uh, primarily for digging up corruption on the liberal candidates and printing it in his paper, which at the time, politics was just, everyone was corrupt. He was just digging up garbage and publishing it. There's corruption on both sides. So he was eventually re-elected. He won that election. He was uh, a, a, a MP. Wait, Ooh, MP? MP? Military police? No. <laughs> not Well, yes. PM? No. Prime PM. Minister? No, he's not the Prime Minister. He's a, he's a member of Parliament. Member of Parliament. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he, he won, and he was re and during his re election campaign in 1894, he printed so much garbage on his opponent, who was a Roman Catholic blacksmith named Richard Kiley. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. He printed so much shit, and the conversation got so heated between him and Hughes that Hughes challenged Kylie to a fist fight. Awesome. <laughs> How'd it go down? I like that. Okay, so the two of them met on a snowy day on the streets of Lindsay, Ontario. <laughs> and cool. Awesome. Take your bets, everyone. Yeah, there was a crowd of bloodthirsty constituents all cheering them on. We're they taking s- all the bets at patreon.com slash roastmortemcast. Send us your $5 bets. So two two square off, right? <laughs> Sam is all ready. Sam's ready. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. And then Kylie's like, oh, I don't know, my blacksmith, though. Crack my knuckles, hit a hammer on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, the first blows are done, and Kylie haymakers Sam in the face and knocks him to the ground. Uh, Kylie then continues to beat Sam on the ground while Sam is rolling around in the snow, turtling up to avoid the blows. <laughs> oh, he's going fetal? Yeah, he's going fetal. See, Sam- if politicians did this nowadays, it'd be more interesting, I feel like. It would be. We get, to, we get to yeah. the bottom of yeah. issues, you know? Really solve those problems. <laughs> yeah. Sam took the worst beating of his life, all while the crowd jeered and laughed at him. And to add insult to injury, since Sam had instigated the fight, Kylie uh, had told the police to arrest him for assault right in front of his voters. Oh, Ooh. awesome. Yeah, so he's like, this guy wanted to fight me. I kicked the shit out of him. Arrest this dude. And Sam was charged. <laughs> yeah, Sam was convicted and charged of assault. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, that went well. Yeah. So Sam. So Sam, Sam uh, was thoroughly embarrassed. He paid the fine. And he ran back to his newspaper, where he published an article defending himself why he had lost, saying that he had just recovered from the flu, and that he was oh. con- and that he was constrained by his overcoat during the battle. Oh, totally. <laughs> he was excuses. He was constrained by his ovaries. I should have got the double XL North Face. <laughs> <laughs> Full swing, amigo. <laughs> um, but now the only thing that Sam put before politics was the militia. So, uh, the conservatives lost the majority in Parliament while Sam was there, and Sam continued to keep his seat for his uh, Lindsay, Ontario district. Great. Um, and he had a str- the, the only time he really reached across the aisle was he became friends with a political ally, the Liberal Minister of, of Militia and Defense, Frederick Borden. 
Now, uh, Sam, that was a good choice for Sam because Borden's cousin, Robert, would eventually become the prime minister during World War One. what we're going to talk about. So he kind of picked his cards right there. Okay. So in 1899, Britain went to war in South Africa, a little-known war called the Boer War. Have you ever heard of the Boer War? I don't know. I heard of it. Is it B-O-H-R? B-O-E-R War. So, yeah, I'm not going to get into the details about this stupid little war. Let's save that for another show. But um, why did I say show like I was a Canadian show? (laughs) We'll save it for another show, Travis. Yeah. But Canada was part of the empire, and the question came up, should the Canadian militia get involved? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sam thought, fuck yeah, we need to defend our empire. So Sam goes to par- to the House of Commons, and as a member of the militia, he says, I want to send 5,000 troops that I will personally lead to South Africa. And Sam wasn't alone. There were a few other people that were like, yeah, we need, do need to send troops to Africa. But the only right. thing was those other people were like, we don't want this idiot. Sam Hughes just got his ass beat, and he's like a tryhard to lead this militia. <laughs> like, All right. He's trying too hard to lead uh, a death squad. Yeah, which is questionable. And also, like he's it's, in the, he's in the militia, but he's not like upper brass of the militia. He's just like a some dude. random dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. He some fought. Bro. He fought a war when he was like thirteen, and <laughs> that was yeah, it. Fought a war when he was thirteen, had the shit beat out of him by a, a political opponent in the middle of the street, and taught Publicly. children. Yeah. Eight Let's chalk. Send him to war. <laughs> Let's give him fi- ten thousand troops. Uh, 5,000. 5,000 troops. Well, send him Half. with that. D- dude, and they're all, they were all probably students of his. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So the British general officer co- commanding the Canadian militia, that was a role, <laughs> that was the title of his role, the, G- the GOC, a general named mm. R.T.H. Hutton, uh, he wanted to also get troops involved, but he wanted it to be an official matter. He wanted it to be endorsed by the prime minister. And not have Sam Hughes send a expeditionary force led by Sam Hughes. He was like, you need to declare war, and we're going to send troops officially. Not just like this jerk-off, you know. Just not going to send them on vacation. Yeah. On those Norwegian uh, cruise lines. So Hutton reprimands Sam for his insubordination and failing to go through proper channels of the military hierarchy. And Sam's like, oh, shit, no, I was talking as an MP, not a soldier. Uh, So he fires back at Hutton, saying that he's stifling support of the Empire in its time of need. And this back and forth, this back and forth goes in the papers. It it starts to escalate. Sam's calling him every word in the book. Sam, like, love to fucking... You nincompoop? Yeah, you little... (laughs) You you stymie wogger. (laughs) <laughs> he's he's go, he's getting oh, vicious. So, so he he's like, oh, we should go help Britain when they're in South Africa. We needed to help our friends. Oh, they didn't just fuck this whole area up anyway. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, let me help out. Oh, they don't need any help because there's like British people everywhere just ready to destroy. Yeah, <laughs> but let's and, do it. And Sam Sam spreading false ac- accusations about this Hutton guy and scandal about him. And he actually calls him the worst of British militarism and a incompetent, dull-minded imperial regular. So, wow. Yeah. That's a mouthful. Right. This is when Hutton calls Sam a madman, and that was his official title from then on. You're a madman. Okay. 
Now, eventually, General Hutton convinces the Prime Minister to officially enter war. So Sam had really shot himself in his own foot because the general, the guy, his superior officer, is like, okay, now we're going to war. So Hutton writes a letter to the war office stating that Sam Hughes should not be allowed in the theater of war in any capacity because of his yes. lack because of his lack of judgment and insubordination would seriously compromise the, the success of Canadian troops. So he's out. Uh, Sandbagging wow. in its purest form. Wow. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, but you don't fucking go up to like your boss and be like, fuck you, bro. I could do it better. Well, you could. And you'll probably get fired. Well, if that's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) So Sam wasn't having this. And he launched, again, he's like launching more public campaigns against Hutton. And Sam's putting pressure on the prime minister and Minister Borden. Actually, Sam went to Hutton's office twice, both times crying, begging to go to war. Like, bawling his eyes out. My like, God. I want to go to war. Yeah, how do you pass up on that? Just a, a Protestant dickhole. He's <laughs> just crying, bawling his eyes out. How old is he now? He is... Like 35, 36 35. at this point? I think he's pushing 40. Oh, wow. I thought yeah. he was like still All like right, 20 right. or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's pushing 40. He's in his 40s. I, I want to go kill Africans. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take that out of context, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's rough. Eventually, Hutton caves to the weeping grown man, and he allows Sam to travel to Africa under the condition that he was not allowed to fight and could not wear a uniform. And he's got to hang out. He couldn't wear <laughs> pants either, right? Yeah, no pants. No pants. You go to Africa, you don't get a mosquito net. <laughs> Here's your bee on a string. Make yeah. sure it stays alive. He's hanging on the sidelines of the battles, just watching. <laughs> you get a gift certificate to Safaris R Us. <laughs> You could say you helped the war effort. Here's a pair of binoculars that cost four dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a it's got a detective Pikachu on it. Yes. <laughs> hey. And then when you're done with the safari, you can go see a movie. <laughs> and then come right back. Come detective right back. <laughs> right back. So the second that Sam's ship pulled out of the harbor, he went into his trunk and pulled out a uniform and started <laughs> strutting around the ship pretending to be a Canadian militia colonel, barking <laughs> orders, and bad-mouthing Hutton uh, the entire trip to South Africa. Well, it's easy. What is <laughs> yeah. he going to do, find out? Was he tweet about was it? He, was he I, found out? Was he I found am out your colonel! <laughs> Come hang out with me. I'm Sam Hughes from the movie uh, PrimeMinister.com on a and E. You like chicken? Imagine if I was Colonel Sanders. But we put <laughs> we put maple syrup on it. It's sweet. Mm, I'm not mm. mad. Yeah, I'm not mad at all. <laughs> so Sam arrives in South Africa, and Hutton had sent a telegram to the Royal Canadian Regiment telling them that Sam should not participate in the war. So he shows up there in his wow. fucking uniform. He's like, ah, I'm ready to go. Who brought this guy? Yeah, it was this fucking idiot. It just seems like the universe is saying this guy has no business on the battlefield, but he just keeps persevering. They should have hit a giant net, you know, like a giant fish net. So they could have just thrown at him at any point. <laughs> you know, like, instructions to everyone on the ship. If Sam Hughes gets out of control... You're going to want to go on the starboard side in the third storage bin and pull out the comically sized <laughs> Benny Hill net and throw it all over him. And he's just flopping yeah. around like, Raw, let yeah. me out of here, fuckers! <laughs> <laughs> We're going to help Britain! <laughs> 
So he shows up, and they're like, oh, you're not fucking helping. So he just kind of floats around for like two months. <laughs> He's just hanging around the base. It's on vacation. Yeah. It's hanging out. Eventually, the command leaders probably just got annoyed at him. So they're like, all right, you can lead, the, you can become the supply and transport officer. It's like the guy who, like, you know, the train and ammo comes in on the train. Yeah. Like, oh, all of them are there. The guy, the guy with the checklist, and uh, we're all on the same side here, so we're yeah. not really that worried about your job. Thank you for your duty, Sam. I'll take your t- paperwork and throw it right into the garbage. Uh, where are my seven bananas that I ordered? <laughs> so he's just doing this. It's, it is a necessary role, but it's not glorious. Uh, and eventually... He does He does such a good job waiting for this tra- these trains to come in that he was promoted to an intelligence offer, officer and was able to go deep behind enemy lines. Good job, oh, Sam. Oh, on a train? Yeah. <laughs> Choo-choo. Just stay on the train the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> that covert train. Uh, you guys ever see that train they have in Africa that just goes in a giant circle? Really? Yeah, really? That's, <laughs> That's a real thing. You haven't heard of this? No. No, it's like a giant train. It goes about four or five miles an hour on a good day. Oh, hell yeah. Just shooting around. Is it like a small train? Yeah, it makes a few stops so you can get like, you know, Zeppelis and shit. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. That's a sick train, bro. Yeah, you know, that's how you get work done. Yeah. Uh, Sam, uh, when he's an intelligence officer, he actually has a few moments of gallantry. He saves some British soldiers from an impending attack. Like, he does an okay job. You know, he has a few. What kind of attack? Uh, Like bees or, like, people? Yeah. fights? What are we doing? this is Africa, so it's ants. Oh, African ants. African ants. Very annoying. And they're like... Ants in the pants? You guys, you're sleeping on the floor. The ants are coming. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> of course, yeah. Yes. Yeah, all right. Sam had these acts of gallantry, right? And he mm-hmm. would send wartime correspondence to his friends in the newspapers back in Canada that he all wrote in the third person because he's a weird fucking freak. I hate people. I hate who talk. that so much. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Uh-huh. So uh, all of these stories were really trumped up, and he was kind of bad mouthing the British command that. You know, he's like, I did it all myself. I saved the British people. Right? You know, Would uh, he say uh, I if he d- was talking about Well, Sam Hughes saved the British people. Oh! Hogging all the spotlight. Yeah. So the news gets back to his commanding officers, and they were pissed as shit. And not only this, like, not only that, was uh, he was also feeding the enemy positions and tactics that they were using. Through these like correspondence back to oh, uh, were being would, published. They were just oh right yeah in Canada. So that the enemy would be like oh these Canadian newspapers say they're here and uh, this is how they fight <laughs> and like uh. all right. So we got a lot of people at fault, but he is the uh... yeah he's the one that's saying publish this shit because I'm so cool. Yeah, he's the water hose. Yeah, from which uh, that is happening. From. Yeah, is that a phrase of water hose the- for someone who's. Talking too much shit. We can make it I don't one. know. There's too many slugs in the garden. Put out the hose so they can go home. Yeah, get those slugs wet. Because you know what happens when you make slugs wet? They're like gremlins. They do more of them. Yeah, well, it in turns this case, more. you're washing them away. You brought the power washer out. You got to give them salt water. <laughs> yeah. You got to salt yeah. the slug. So, Understand? Yeah, so these commanding officers heard all this shit, and they sent Sam home in 1900. Like, go home, you dumb idiot. Get back over there. Finally. We don't need you. <laughs> so once Sam got home back to Canada, he was he was walking around, 
bragging about all of his battle experience. Mm-hmm. Even though he really didn't like have that much combat, he was like, oh, this one time, these ants were going to eat all my friends. <laughs> then I saved them. Nice. That's good. good. Well, he probably shouldn't have been smothering them in Canadian maple syrup. Then. <laughs> yeah. Well, pockets full of maple. Oh. Aunt Jemima's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was the Aunt no. Jemima of that war. Put that together. <laughs> so he just like wouldn't stop. He would say like that he taught the British how to fight. And in 1903, a year after the Boer War had ended and three years since he had been there, he demanded that he receive the Victoria Cross of Bravery, which is the highest... The balls. That's the highest honor in the British Armed Services. He's like, I need the Victoria Cross. I deserve it. I have space on my wall for it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And after years and years of whining about this medal which he just frankly did not deserve. The war office kept dismissing him, but he didn't give up. He doubled down and said he deserved two Victoria Crosses. Just give him one and shut him up. (laughs) It's just a piece of metal. It doesn't matter. It's like a participation ribbon, right? You could do do like a ceremony, like, you know how the the Oscars have those, all the awards that aren't taped? Like the day before? I do, like editing? Yeah, like, well, I mean, best color correction on a commercial... Best best boy at Best Buy. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I'm drunk. Oh, I don't know best films. Boy grip. Dude, I don't watch film. So Sam goes on for the next 10 years uh, boasting about this to the House of Commons, spreading rumors uh, and, like, just being a general pain in the ass. He's spreading rumors about the liberals. He's, like, he was just a piece of shit for 10 years. And in 1911, Sam's, uh, the cousin of Sam's old buddy, Frederick Borden, like I mentioned, Robert Borden becomes elected the prime minister. So here Sam uh-huh. sees a career-advancing opportunity. He's mm. like, oh, uh, B- Mr. Borden, can I have a meeting with you? And uh, he has not boarding. He begs. He starts crying again. Does he? Did he <laughs> ever mo- motion like that? Yeah. I'll have a meeting with you. For those of you at home, I'm, I'm talking about sucking his penis. Yeah, Borden. Let me yeah, board bo- you. Yeah, let me have a meeting with you. <laughs> ah. Meeting. That's a real soft and long M. Meeting. No, he's cry more. Yeah, he's he's crying to daddy. He's like, daddy. Let me just say, this guy basically always cries. He cries when he's happy. He cries when he's sad. He cries when he's whining. And he doesn't even drink. No, he doesn't drink. Imagine if he drank. Oh, my God. He'd be crying every minute (laughs) of the day. (laughs) Yeah. Eventually, Borden is like, all right, I'll make you the minister of the militia and defense, which is what my my, cousin did. Your cousin? No, no, no. Borden's cousin. Okay. Frederick Borden. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Now... Borden, uh, Robert Borden and his friends knew that Sam was totally fucking nuts and that he had his military record really wasn't up to snuff for this position. But again, like at the age of 55, Sam becomes this minister and this is where his like legacy really takes off. Great. Because I think his legacy is outstanding at this point. <laughs> right. So I'm very excited mm. to find out what this guy is doing. Yeah. All right, so Sam, newly appointed, goes on a militia recruitment tour. He puts on his uniform and travels all around Canada in a personal rail car that he uh, ah. he had. He had, had. Um, his nationalist fervor was very successful, and uh, thousands of people joined the militia. 
his main goal was to create imperial unity, duty to God, Canada, and empire. So he's like... Sounds like bullshit. Yeah, you have to do this because you were born to do it. Canadians, like, it's your responsibility. The most important country on earth. Yeah. You have to act accordingly. You, you don't Grow say... Up. Canada, you don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah, Hearts a really nice place. I heard everyone just super nice up there. Dude, they are. So uh, Sam really liked the shooting range. Throughout his entire military uh, militia career... He was always at the shooting range. He, he liked uh, doing competitive shooting. That was like his thing. So therefore, he wanted to build an army of snipers. Just snipers. That's very smart. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Incredibly smart. He said, give me one million men who can hit a target at 500 yards, and we, will ha- we, will, we would not have a foe that could invade our country. A million, a million? men. Yeah, a million men. One million. Well, he couldn't okay. even handle that 5,000. <laughs> yeah, right? Or a classroom of brats. Yeah. Yeah. So Sam had absolutely no fucking clue what goes on in a military. He's like, you just need to show good and you could kill him. Yeah. Which is, I mean, he's right, but there's I mean, but more like, to it. It's a very, it's an elaborate, yeah. just kill him. Yeah. Like, you can't, <laughs> you can't just have snipers like there's also things like artillery engineers uh medical units logistics communications like the just sniper tactic would not be invented for another 90 years when call of duty 2 came out wow oh you beat me to it you fuck (laughs) (laughs) see if, if you have an army of all snipers you won't see them coming so there's no need for all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he's got a no scope 360. Yeah, no scope 360, though. <laughs> right, Mike? Yeah. I play Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> all right, old man. In 1911. Have he... you guys played Tetris? <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. That. You remember that time when one of the blocks fell down? Was that sick? Yeah, I like the L shaped one. Do you know they're coming out with Tetris? What's going on, Travis? Tell me more. Do you know they're coming out with Tetris the movie? It's like the emoji movie, <laughs> but with blocks. Is it going to oh, be Will God Smith? Fucking damn it. <laughs> yeah, Will, Will Smith is going to be in it. Oh, sick. Jake Paul is going to play like <laughs> yeah. the L one. That's cool. Yeah, and Jim Carrey will be the the Z piece. Yeah, Jim Carrey is in it, of course, because everyone loved him in the 90s. Ha <laughs> ha! My childhood! Ha ha ha! Wow, you just, you're crying. I am. You're crying like Hughes. Right. All right. Well, in 1911, people were like, yo, Sam, why are you really trying to make the sniper army? Like, there's no war right now. Like, we had, we went to South Africa, like, whatever. Nothing happened there. It's Canada. Like, what's kind of, we're we're just tapping into those maple trees and like, I don't know, Mm. Zambonis. We don't even know what most of our property looks like. Yeah. Like, (laughs) most of Canada is unexplored even today. And I just made that up, but I feel like that's the case. I really feel that. (laughs) Well, Thomas, do you know how Canada has its name? Uh, No, I don't. It's from Akanada, which means literally nothing there. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, here I am feeling correct again. Well, Tom, I mean, that is what facts are. If you feel something's right, 
Just yell it. I knew it, dude. Gotta follow your I gut. Fucking knew it. The yeah. louder you are, All right. the writer you are. So I feel like Sam Hughes is one of those guys who's always right. Oh yeah, always right. He's probably got a similar gene to me. You know, mm-hmm. just really gets things, sees it as it goes. You know, you might be a direct descendant. I've just never gone to Africa before, but put me over there. I'll get all my friends to. I'll get them in an Airbnb. Save them for man. I'll oh, do can it. We take a road trip. <laughs> Yeah. Can we take a road trip? I'm oh, on a road trip. So cool. Let's road trip, trip dude. Africa. Yeah. We'll start in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then 1914, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was gunned down and World War I begins. Now, Britain makes a procl- proclamation of war against Germany. And by proxy, Canada is now at war. And Sam is fucking stoked. He's like, fuck yeah. My snipers. Never met a German. Yes. Hate him. Hate them. <laughs> Hate those guys. What do they do? Roman Catholic? No. All right. Whatever. Hate them. Hate them. This is, this is what he's been waiting for. His army. The militia would finally get their chance to die in the mud in one of the greatest losses of life in history. And oh, Sam. I love dying in the mud. Sam eventually becomes, or Sam essentially becomes Canada's warlord, whipping the country up into a national frenzy. Sam's in charge of mobilizing and recruiting canada's war efforts by this point along with the militia canada had built a small professional trained standing army so like pros like that aren't MLG. so let me convey what i'm paint thinking a picture because i yes i'm gonna paint a picture of what i'm thinking which is absolutely correct because i feel it <laughs> mm-hmm. it's really easy to be a warmongering general in a country in which it takes three months to get anywhere from They're in Canada. The war is on the other side of the Atlantic. It takes three months to get there. It is so easy to get pumped up. Yeah. And and just, we're going to do this, guys. You ready to do this? All he has to do is put jock jams on. Well, jock jams, (laughs) even if you play it for like two weeks straight on that boat trip, you're going to get tired of it. You're going to get numb of it, you know? Yeah. So you really want to play some Celine Dion on the way over, and you want to ramp up. and then Justin Bieber. Throw some Jock Jams in there. Throw a little Jock Jams. What about Justin Bieber? He's a Canadian. Dude, he wasn't around back then. Jock Jams <laughs> was, Celine Dion was. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So it's really easy to do this because, like, you're the little dog on the other side of the fence just barking at the big dog. You're right. never going to get over that fence. I mean, imagine if they had Drake, though. Drake is tight. They'd be unstoppable. Right? Oh, they wait, Drake. Drake. I was thinking of someone else. Drake is not tight. <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't sound like Tom. No, no, no. Who's sitting across from me? Drake is awful. <laughs> I was confused. I, I, grew I was up, ready to shoot an imposter through the internet. I'm an American middle-class white boy, and I feel much tougher than him at any <laughs> given day. Honestly. Dude, I don't say that about a lot of rappers, but Drake, I will. He was on Degrassi. That's pretty fucking, you know. You remember that shit, too? He got too? shot. And he had to sit down for all <laughs> yeah, he had to sit down yeah, yeah. the he entire He got shot. Time. That's why. That's yeah, hard. Dude, I sit down for work, but I feel I still feel like I sit down less than him. You have a standing desk next to you. All right, so he, they're, like, he's whipping all these Drakes up into a frenzy, right? Yeah. Like, he's starting the Drake factory, where they make <laughs> Where they, they make, make the cupcakes. cakes. Drake's cakes. Yeah, Drake's cakes. <laughs> I was gonna, Canadian yeah, goose. Nice. Yeah. Canadian geese. And right? So they're doing all this. And uh, so... Canada actually has an army at this point. Like, not just the militia. There's, like, a real army. They're, like, they're trained and they're paid. It's really small. It's about, like, a thousand troops. Oh, great. Let's put them three months away from us. No. So Sam is like, fuck the professional army. I want my untrained militia to fight the Krauts. 
So he sends Canada's per- pro- professional army to the Caribbean to replace British troops that were being called to the front oh. line. So he sent them to Sandals Resort? Yeah, he sent them to Sandals. So he can send more British people to die? Yeah. It's a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good plan. So he sends those fuckers off. Now, Sam is the definition of a micromanager. Uh, like, anything involving the militia went through him. He was incapable of delegating authority. Like, simple things, like any like a small-time like officer's promotion had to be approved by Sam Hughes. Okay. Um, so he would he would personally appoint all officers by, by hand, right? Um, and most of them were fellow conservatives, regardless of their qualifications. Uh, like, all contracts for equipment, ammunition, arms, were all produced and handed out by Sam uh, to all of his buddies. And those buddies would receive honorary military titles for doing nothing. Besides making oh. guns or something. That's pretty cool. Well, that's kind of what he did. Yeah, he's very big on... Being promoted for nothing. This yeah, he... is how it's done. This <laughs> is how it's done. Come on. Yeah. So Promotion, please. He was all about loyalty and patronage, and that was like what he did. And his cronyism actually gave... You know, the papers were kind of picking up on him. And like being like, why are all these guys that really don't know how to make guns like making guns and like making shells for the artillery like they don't know how to do it mm. and one of the papers called sam a maggot eating the heart of canadian life some wow that's good yeah right mm. that's some good words right so regardless of all the 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 haters sam enlisted over ninety-five thousand troops and then he got his crony contractors to construct construct a new fort at val Cachier. Which I looked up, and that's how you say it. It's Valcardier. Nice. Valcachier? Yeah, you did it better than I did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Valcachier. Because you're Travis. Yeah. Well, Valcachier, I wrote. Valcachier. Valcachier. All right, you're good. I know. You're one of those good boys. <laughs> I mean, I could say it again. Say I know. It, say it again. Do it. Get them all do, it. do it. Do it. Valcachier. <laughs> so he makes that Valcachier. <laughs> he makes the Val Cachet. Val Cachet. He makes the Val Cachet in a month. You know. Oh, you know Val Cachet too. He's my cab yeah. driver. Right, Val Cachet, and he assembles the first contingent army of thirty-five thousand relatively untrained troops at this new fort he constructed. Now, Sam would not allow French-speaking reg- regiments of Quebec to join, uh, even though there were many seasoned, experienced soldiers there. He was a racist idiot. And he was like, I don't want you in there. <laughs> don't even do it. Don't wanna. It. But then the people of Quebec, uh, they fought back politically. And eventually Sam capitulated. And one French battalion, the Royal 22nd, was made. And this battalion would actually become the most dec- decorated regiment in the Canadian division. So these were the French people that, that he didn't want. Yeah. Eventually, they were like, okay, you can have one battalion. Okay, and these guys one. like be- went on to become like the, like the best dudes in World War I. We will not tolerate this. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, at Val Cartier... <laughs> no. Uh, the men trained for the Western Front by conducting military parades in front of Sam Hughes, 
Often he would be weeping in front of the sight of his boys. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, they all shaved their legs. And the amount of time that that the amount of time the army spent parading, uh, in front of Sam or at the shooting you mean range, marching. No, parading, not or marching. Parading. There's a difference okay. between marching and parading. Parading, you can spin around and have a tuba. Yeah. So the amount of time they spent parading in front of uh, Sam or at the shooting range, which I guess is kind of good, but when you're doing like competitive shooting style, it's not good. Or sword drills, which they did every morning in front of Sam <laughs> while he's like hard. Just like, <laughs> yeah, give me them swords. Yeah, honey. <laughs> So what happened when wow, they went to the kinda, trenches? That's amazing. Well, and when they said, it's funny, when they were talking about, like, there's accounts of these soldiers, like, why the fuck did we, were we sword trading? I never <laughs> used a sword yeah. when I was yeah. in the trenches. <laughs> I stuck it in the mud a few times. Yeah, what the fuck is this? I thought we'd be dancing. We're in the trench. <laughs> yeah. No, it was saber training. It was like... Oh, okay, so the most useless okay, form okay. of sword fighting. Yeah. So all this time they could have been spending preparing themselves for the hell to come but you know sam had sent all the professional soldiers to the caribbean to sandals to hang out to sand yeah, yeah. and this this was mm-hmm. sam's army he is the guy that's gonna fucking build this army you know he knows everything i mean i trust him still because of how i feel about him yeah I kind of want to join. I want to go to Sandals. <laughs> well, yeah. Become a professional. Yeah. <laughs> professional Sandals boy. You'll be a pro. You got to shave your legs every morning. I'll get so to it. The soldiers even knew that they weren't getting the training they needed. And they actually created a song about Sam that they would sing out of earshot. And See, Tom, you're that, the... That's how you, know, that's how you know you're not getting the training. If you have time to make a song about anything, you're not being trained properly. True. All right, so I get to it's, read this. It's a, it's a little diddly. I know you like doing the songs. What kind of what like this? Oh, that works. We are Sam's Hughes wow. army. Thirty thousand men are we. We cannot fight and we cannot march, but our bloody good are we. I don't know. There you go. That was actually <laughs> the exact same tune. You did it. Woo. You went with your heart. You made facts. Do you know why? Because I felt that was right. And also, I want to give another shout out. Because as much as we drink Miller Lite here, Travis has brought Labette Blue, Canadian Pilsner, which wow, I would... I'm jealous. Well, Cody, you should have uh, uh, imported a little over to Hawaii. I know they cost a bit much out there. <laughs> but uh, these Canadian beers, wow. This Their is taste. Yeah, if, is, man, if, if Canada was like America, this is what they would do. <laughs> this is their Budweiser. Yeah, this is great beer, real <laughs> tasteful. It tastes just like Budweiser. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, 11.5 fluid ounces, rip off. <laughs> all right, so the time had come. They had done all this really good training, and it's time to go off to Europe to fight in the, the war to end all wars. Now, Sam would walk around. He's, these are my boys, right? These are my boys. My boys. These are my boys. My boys. <laughs> Um, and they, they're about to enter the greatest killing field, and they need leadership. So Prime Minister Borden gives Sam an ultimatum. He said he could either stay, he could either command the militia, or uh, that he helped raise and you know train in his their sword fighting. I understand. Or he could remain in Canada and continue his role as the Minister of Defense. Now part of this whole ultimatum was basically Borden trying to just get Sam away from him. 
<laughs> he, he was like, this guy's a pain in the ass. Stop crying on me. <laughs> yeah. Sam, please. Get the fuck away yeah. from me. Like, <laughs> I'm <laughs> eating dinner with my wife, Marsha. Yeah. Leave me alone. But Stop please, crying. But please. <laughs> They're trying to have their Lunchables dinner, and he's just crying all over it, you know? That's what the wow. army is. Lunchables for dinner. <laughs> You're not going to call that dinnerables? Well, they're, it's lunch for dinner. It's TV dinner. Yeah, you so, know, you have, you have breakfast for dinner sometimes. You get eggs for dinner, which is great. Time. because oh, I love that. You can do lunch for dinner. So basically, he's like, Sam is definitely going to go over with his troops. And Sam is like, no, I'm going to stay in Canada. You know what? Uh, on, I think Sam. I'm going to do better over here raising more troops, right? I like, don't want to go to go over there, you know? Well, stay, stay here. <laughs> Just stay here, man. So the Canadian tr- division is shipped out. And the war had already begun, so they went to England for a few weeks to train before they actually went to the front line. Right, to do the back-end training. Right. Because they were like, okay, you guys don't know anything, do you? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Sam Hughes cha- trained you? All right, we're going to do some more right. training. You're basically infants now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, first off, uh, since Sam had turned down... Him since Sam had turned down leading the Canadian forces, they were led by an Edwin Alderson, who was a professional British soldier soldier who knew how to fight. Mm. Sounds good, right? Edwin Alderson. Yeah. That sounds like a guy mm. who makes office chairs. <laughs> You're gonna love this. I, I like how cut. you said professional soldier, as if there was some such thing as an amateur soldier. Well, there, oh, there is. Are. That's the militia. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, the militia are. That's half the, of Venezuela at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, the militia. They're, oh, so they're the militia is literally just like I don't know. This guy, he is. Uh, he makes staples for a living, and now he's. Gonna... <laughs> but he owns a gun, so yeah. he's in the militia. Yeah. Come on in. Like so, they weren't. Now prof- he fires artillery. Yeah, they weren't professional. So and 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 Alderson had experience in the field, uh, but but Sam. Sam was like, no, the Canadian division needs to be led by a Canadian. So he threw a hissy fit and threatened the war office of a Boston Tea Party type revolution in Canada, which was not going to happen. People were like, I don't fucking care. Hmm. Like, <laughs> like, no, we're going to be like, we're not going to be part of the fucking empire anymore because your guys are leading our troops. So he tried to be revolutionary, but like for like a week. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna handle. I'm not gonna take this anymore. I'm just not gonna. I'm so tired of this. I've I've been crying every night, trying to get my way about things, and you won't let me do my way things. I don't want to not do my way things anymore. I'm doing my things. I'm gonna go to bed now. Watch me cry. Now remember, Sam was big on temper temperance. No booze for him or his soldiers. So he ordered the removal of wet canteens. Which is basically a rationed alcohol towards the soldiers. Yeah, take the only joy they have away from them. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So when Alderson gets the when Alderson gets the troops, he's like, "Fuck that! Like these guys are going to be living in hell next to like their dead comrades. Let them have a fucking whiskey or whatever the fuck they're drinking." So Sam hears the fact that Alderson had like turned that shit around. He's like, "Fuck that! Like he's ruining my boys." <laughs> yeah. Actually, Canadians, regardless of the fact that there was no drinking, were actually, they made a name for themselves of being drunks, rowdy frontiersmen. And the second they arrived in England, they caused a huge scene in London going on, like, benders, you know. 
just like drinking yes. and fucking and yeah. well i believe this is post industrial britain where britain used to be a gin country if oh, you didn't yeah. know that and then the reason they got so big on beer and they made it so cheap, it was government subsidized because all the workers would get too hammered on gin. <laughs> so they made beer. Wow. All the beer is like, it's the max, I think the max legal beer, uh, alcohol percentage in beer over in England for quite some time, it might not be the case anymore, was 5%. Mm. Because they want people to go to the pubs and feel like they're drinking a lot, but still be able to go back to work. Yeah, oh, drink wow. their liquid water, or their alcoholic wow, water. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Because before, they'd just be slamming gin. Oh, yeah. And they'd be yeah. like, yeah, drink this beer. It's like on the house. Go back to work in like a fucking yeah. steel factory. Stay hydrated, drink beer. Shit. Yeah, that's what used to happen. They used to have to shut down factories for like 30 seconds, which was <laughs> terrible for business. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't got no hands no more. Oh, yo, Jimmy, come here, come here. Give him a gin. <laughs> Can those fingers. So what are the biggest problems affecting the Canadian troops was their shoddy equipment that Sam had parsed out to his political cronies. Nice. That was the biggest uh-huh. problem. So all of his soldiers were equipped with leather harnesses that basically held their um, like ammunition and like it would hold their pants up. Like cowboys? You know, yeah, like, like, a, like a little bandolier type thing. Little bondage belts. Yeah, right. Oh, nice. Cover their nipples up. They had clamps. I, I'm That's pretty hard. sure they actually mm-hmm. went around the nipple. You sure? Because <laughs> Sam wants to look at them. Oh, yeah, you want to see how hard they are. You want to see those, how hard they are, those, yeah. Those gas masks, too, right, at the same time? Well, they didn't have gas masks yet. They just had these leather boys. They're just, they're, they got bondage gear on. Yeah. <laughs> Assless. So, no yeah. pants. Assless. So these bondage gears would just, like, snap during the training <laughs> on the training field great like so they didn't even get to apart. war they didn't <laughs> even get to the front they would fall apart excuse me officer my butt plug fell out <laughs> now also england had been england had been particularly wet that season probably because these canadians showed up yeah. like, <laughs> bdsm material yeah so oh, they're all 69ing yeah so the <laughs> training great. the training field that the canadians were given were was really muddy and to Sam of subpar condition. Of course. Yeah. Well, when you fight a war, you want to fight in prime condition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which, you know what? For them, fighting in mud actually emulated what they were going to be doing, you know. Yeah. When they got in, there. They're in trenches. <laughs> yeah. Which happened to, if you didn't know this, uh, water goes down uh, based on gravity. It will run down what? into trenches. Wait, really? So, imagine this. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Tom, Tom, why did Jack and Jill go up a hill to get water? Because the well runs deep, my friend. Because <laughs> they're fucking. Because they're fucking. Oh, Wait, they're are, fucking at the top. Oh, you're getting all dice on me? You don't even like dice. <laughs> I don't. There you go. <laughs> so, all right, Canadian boots. Another thing that Sam had given out through patronage. They just dissolved in the mud, leaving oh the God. leaving the soldiers barefoot in the trenches. Very I'm cool, douchebag. Yeah, this sucks. The the soldiers <laughs> actually called them sham shoes, which was a dig at Sam, like sham shoes. Oh. They just deteriorate. Oh. Yeah, they would fall apart barefoot. Oh my! God. Would they clean their feet off with sham wows? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, Billy! <laughs> the Canadians are deployed to the front line. Live combat. Shoes falling off. Leather straps dangling, like you know, like they were all going to the dungeon, trying to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, barefoot. So here's the biggest travesty of Sam's patronage. Before the war, Sam had the task of sourcing the standard issue rifle for the Canadian forces. Now the rest of the British army used the Lee Enfield rifle. 
Uh, but due to supply and uh, supply and demand, the Canadians had to develop their own standard issue. The maple syrup four two. Yeah. Five, wow. four, four, two, five, five, Shoot, two, juice. five, 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 twenty mustard caliber maple syrup, uh, orangutan <laughs> discharging bear rifle. Uh, I think gas the, powered. I think the discharging part just really kind of set me off. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I love dis. I love milky discharge. Love discharge as well. Oh no! So welcome the Ross rifle, like friends. This is I've Ross never heard rifle. of this. You've never heard of <laughs> you never heard of the Ross rifle? We should no one told me no. y'all was gonna shoot this way. <laughs> that's Canadian friends. That's actually I didn't make any of that up. That's the Canadian <laughs> friends. That's, that's they don't broadcast it here. They get our friends, so they can compare. But over in Canada, uh, our Canadian listeners just write in. Uh, tell me how correct I am. Yeah. <laughs> so. This piece of shit was a competitive shooting rifle developed by a Scottish inventor and businessman named Charles Ross. <laughs> Very trustworthy. Yeah. Hughes had tried the rifle on the range. I mentioned he loved range shooting, right? And he loved this rifle. And he was like, wow, it's so accurate. And yeah, it is pretty accurate. You can fire it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he helped it get approved by the House of Commons, and the gun became standard issue. Now, remember, this dude, there's no black and white, or there's no gray area for this guy. It's all black and white. Mm -hmm. So the Ross fucking sucked. The militia didn't like it from the beginning, and it constantly jammed when you rapid-fired it. So, like, it's fine if you're taking your time, you know, picking a shot off, Mm -hmm. but if you're trying to shoot, you know, bang, 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 Mm -hmm. the bolt would get stuck. It would overheat, and, like, you wouldn't be able to shoot the gun. It was useless. You're sitting in a fucking trench, and there's, like, fucking everything's going on around you. It's probably the worst thing ever. Right. Your shoes are deteriorated. (laughs) All you know how to do is dance. (laughs) Sword dancing. (laughs) I'm sorry for this shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Another thing is when when you'd attach the bayonet to the front, because remember, there's a lot of charging. In World War I, there was a lot of bayonet charging. There wasn't a lot of firing. There was a lot of like, let's charge over the top, the boys, one. right? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. So when you had the bayonet attached and you shot the gun, the bayonet would fall off of the gun. No. And a lot of times they would be shooting with the bayonet attached over the trench and it would fall off and they'd go and try to recover it mm. and get shot. <laughs> First reaction. Yeah. Not always the best one. Right. So these are obviously really huge issues, and we think about World War One, and you think of these guys sitting in trenches. It's a mess. Just, well, no, you think, I mean, I think the, the, the typical thing is you think of a line of dudes just sitting in trenches and, like, taking pot shots. But in reality, World War One was, like, very close combat fighting. So your gun not firing when you're, like, raiding into a trench... And your bayonet, which is more important than shooting in most situations, falling off Uh is unacceptable, you know? It's sad because a lot of people lost their lives that way, but also it's funny. I I mean, it is. It is funny. It is funny. I agree. It's very, it's so far from badass. Where'd my bayonet go? (laughs) Whoa, whoa, where is it? They can't put my bayonet. (laughs) (laughs) So Sam's boys are over there. They start their fighting in France. And this rifle is costing countless lives. And it was said that the Ross rifle was better used as a shovel to dig your own grave <laughs> than as a Ooh, gun. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so that's a slogan on the side of the box. <laughs> it helps if you're real skinny, too. Oh! Yeah, whoa! <laughs> Many Canadians would actually steal Lee Enfield rifles off fallen British soldiers 
rather than use their rifle. They just like fucking chuck it out in no man's land. I got a Lee Enfield. This thing's going to work. Call of Duty yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, that's what you have to do in video games in general. Yeah. You know? well, <laughs> yeah. So, you guys ever play Tetris? Uh, dude, I love the Lee Enfield piece that falls. Yeah. <laughs> Headshot. No it's scope. really cool. No, no scroping. Yeah, no, no scroping. That's an no official. Scrub. That's an official move in Tetris. Yeah, Tom, have you ever played the Pac-Man? Never heard of it. <laughs> How about the Q-Bert? That sounds like a. That sounds like a tax form. <laughs> so Tam, uh, Tam. So Sam, <laughs> Sam took all of the criticism out of the Ross rifle uh, since the very beginning, either as lies or personal attacks against him. Yeah. That, well, that's right. I got this guy. <laughs> He's like, he stood behind this rifle even while I was killing the ones that he loved, his boys. He's still in Canada, that's why. He's not doing any of the fighting. Right. Yeah, he's he's not there, even though he's getting these complaints. So after the aftermath of the second battle of Eep, which brought up all these like issues that the Ross was having, like in real world situations, not just like them being like, This is shit. It's like, no, this fucking killed my best friend. Like, we just fought in one of the bloodiest battles of World War One at Ypres. Eventually, um, General Alderson brought up all these reasons why they need to get rid of the Ross. And Sam responded back by saying, <laughs> Some of these charges against the Ross are so absolutely absurd and ridiculous that no one, excepting a novice or for excuse, would find them seriously advancing. All right, break that down in plain Canadian English. So he's saying, like, unless if wow. you're a noob, mm. like, this gun is perfect. Oh, if you know what you're doing, you got to like this gun. If you don't <laughs> like this gun, bring your own gun. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. care. <laughs> get good. Yeah, get good is basically what he's saying. So he just could not accept that his boys were rejecting uh, this piece of shit. So with all this complaining that Sam's making... In, in you know about what's happening, he weasels his way into getting a knighthood. So now he is Sir Sam Hughes, um, and he was oh. like, "I want to visit the soldiers in France and strut around in my uniform." I used oh, to that's... think Paul McCartney was the worst knight, but I think we have one more. <laughs> yeah. So Sam begged Prime Minister Borden. He's like, you know, he's crying again. <laughs> he's tearing up. Nobody liked my gun. He's like, let me let me take a trip to Europe. I need to see them. I need to see my boys. <laughs> my boys. I mean, I stay at a sandals resort, boys. please. You mean the, uh, the the dead ones with trench foot? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I need to see them. I want to I wish good luck. So, of course, the prime minister's like, get the fuck out of my office. Sure, <laughs> go. Yeah, fine. That's great. <laughs> so Sam heads off to the trenches in his perfectly tailored uniform. He gives speeches about how the Ross rifle is the finest in the world and the Lee Enfield does not compare. Who did he give these speeches oh. to? To the soldiers. Oh, okay. And not, not just people in Burger King? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said the enemy feared the Ross rifle. The Ross. And yeah, yeah. He, so he, he said, and then he also said that if there's any trouble, it's in the company commanders that don't know how to use the rifles and and use them properly. On these Ross rifles, not only was he like, people are going to be so afraid of this, he put that little, like, pissing Calvin on the back of each butt. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah. people will be real, they'll have opinions about this. Not, they're not going to like it. Just a little pissing <laughs> Calvin on a little kraut. I don't, to be fair, is, is anything named Ross frightening? <laughs> no. 
Yeah, Cody, you got a great point there. That's that's my uncle's name, and he's a hedge fund guy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sounds lovely. Threatening. <laughs> so, all right. First of all, he's delivering these speeches to the people that are using this rifle that know they're a piece of shit. Some of the people that he that are listening to the speech have Lee Enfields around their shoulder. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love yeah, it, buddy. Yeah. Throughout the entire speech, there was just assassination attempts failing. <laughs> yeah. I love my Ross so much, I left it at home. <laughs> Gotta save it. Yeah, I want to save that for the kids, you know? Show them a real piece of equipment. Heirloom. Mint yeah. condition rifles. Mint condition. And also, the fact that he's laying the blame on company commanders is creating insubordination and leading to mutiny. He's like, no, like, you guys are dying because, like, those guys that lead you... Like, they suck. They, they don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, like, that moment in which your gun didn't fire or your bayonet totally left your gun, uh, that's the guy who was telling you what to do. Because <laughs> yeah. he told you how to do it yep. wrong. Don't blame me. <laughs> don't blame Ross. Just blame that guy. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what the Canadians actually did during the war, war despite their faulty equipment. Now, uh, thanks to very talented commanders, the Canadians became the Allies' shock troops. Like, they were the ones that actually everyone was afraid of. Oh. Even with all this shit going on, mm-hmm. these guys were tenacious. They f- they uh, survived some of the first gas attacks by basically their what? commanders saying, pee on something and put it over your face. I wouldn't which, doubt it. Yeah. They were, like, equipped with, like, the worst equipment and shit. They've, and they've survived that? They're probably fucking mean motherfuckers. Yeah, you know? they were really mean, and people saw them as, like, Frontiersmen again, like Canada. There's nothing in Canada, so they're like, "Oh, these guys just came out of the woods and they're all barefoot." Like, yeah, they're yeah. barefoot. They look disgusting. They got mustard gas stains all over their faces and, and lapels, <laughs> covered in mustard. Though. Yeah. <laughs> the mustard troops are here again. <laughs> oh no, not the mustard boys. And they're French Canadian, so I will say the Dijon mustard men. <laughs> oh, beautiful. But the Canadians did shape the war in favor of the Allies. Canadians sent over 600,000 troops to the battlefield and uh, and fought in some of the most important battles of the Western Front, such as, this, like I mentioned, the Second Battle of Ypres, the Somme, Vimy Ridge, Passchendaele, and the final push, the 100 Days Offensive. Why do those all sound like Digimon? They are. <laughs> they are do you Digimon. Have any normal-sounding battles, sir? Uh, you know, Ypres. <laughs> Ypres, yeah. Ypres. <laughs> Just for the record, I don't know anything about Digimon, so if that joke didn't land, that's your fault. It was good. It worked. (laughs) So all of those battles I mentioned that were Digimon were the meanest Digimon. These were holographic Digimons. Wow. Incredible. (laughs) Like, they were very hard. And I could nerd out so hard about each individual battle, but we would be here for a week. So I'm going to save that. that I'm going to save that for, like, another show. All right, great. Um. But all you need to know is the Canadians actually did kick ass in World War One. They were really nice, uh, influential. Okay. Um, so one of the shining leaders of the Canadian forces was a man named Arthur Curry, who I mentioned at the very top of the episode. Mm-hmm. You did. They called him the Butcher. Ooh. Um, now Arthur was a Canadian that joined the militia uh, in 1897, and he was actually an ins- ins- that he was actually an insurance salesman in Victoria, British Columbia. Before joining this war, and well, he was insurance salesman so while dangerous. he was in the militia. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you want. 
So uh, he had worked his way up to lieutenant colonel before the war, or lieutenant if you come from Canada Ooh. and Britain. Uh, and Sam Hughes and Arthur had actually met a couple times pre-war. Arthur was a liberal, um, but he impressed Sam by standing up to him and refusing to b- bend on Sam's stupid like rules that he was trying to make. He was okay. like, no, I'm in charge of th- these guys. You can't have them parade right now because they're supposed to be doing something else. And Sam was like, "Well, how dare you?" And he was like, "Oh, actually, I kind of like you because you stuck up, stood up for yourself." Yeah, I said something dumb, and then uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd be like, "Good job, guy. You, how are you?" Uh, so Sam's son, uh, Garnet Hughes. What? Garnet, son of Sam. <laughs> Garnet Hughes, the first GPS system. Yeah, <laughs> Garnet. He could work his way around oh. the battlefields. He knew. Mm-hmm. So Garnet actually pushed his father, father off a cliff. <laughs> no, to give Curry his own brigade, and so it was done. And Curry kind of felt like he sold the soul to the devil because by accepting this command, he felt like he owed something to Sam. Yeah, he was working for a dick. Right. <laughs> yeah. So and Sam expected something from him. He was supposed to be his puppet. But Arthur was a man that believed that promotions were earned, and he was also very astute, and he listened to people that knew what they were talking about the battlefield and would take that into consideration. Right. Arthur, I'll be waiting in my tent. Yes. Mm. I will be astute Mm. for you. I'd like a (laughs) blowjob. So um, Arthur answered only to his superior officers, which was General Alderson, and then when Alderson left, it was General Bing. (laughs) <laughs> he's he no no what's wow. his real name bing with a y <laughs> all bing. right fine <laughs> i guess <laughs> fine bing another bing. friends reference is that a friend's that thing a, really uh that was chandler's last name bing chandler bing with a uh, y yeah. yep. what, what about the canadian uh, chandler it was b-i-n-g <laughs> what was the canadian chandler's name uh fuck chandelier i don't know chandelier there you go all right my chandelier Okay, so <laughs> both of those guys were British. They were both professional soldiers. And Arthur, uh, no, sorry, and Arthur knew that he had to learn from them. Like he, he didn't. He was a militiaman. Like he, he needed to listen to his soldiers, and he would listen to his soldiers and officers, anyone that could contribute to his plans. Mm. And like I said, you all think about World War One as taking pot shots across these trenches, but. There was a lot of planning and fierce, close hand-to-hand combat that went on when the enemies breached the line. And the world had never seen this type of warfare before. I mean, there's new weapons like machine guns mowing down advancing enemies, gas attacks. Mustard. And, mm-hmm. and It's probably insane mustard. if you think about yeah. it, like being yeah. there. And, and this is not an exaggeration. I'm not just saying a brilliant. Roughly a billion shells were fired, fired from artillery. All right. Like a billion yeah, I can imagine. And 47 people died, so a lot of wasted. <laughs> a lot of missed bullets. Yeah. yeah. So tactics were constantly changing, and while Curry was not perfect, he learned his lessons every time, and he was big on planning. Occasionally, when he did not have like proper maps or aerial surveillance, this is when they first started using aircraft to check out No Man's Land, mm-hmm. Curry would trek out into No Man's Land himself. And assess the battlefield conditions and check out enemy battlements. Would he just cover himself with mud like Bear Grylls? Yeah. And just kind of like oh, wow. 
crawl on all fours and be like, I'm a leopard, mate. He's doing the worm everywhere. <laughs> I'm just a leopard. And he was a tubby boy. He was a big boy. Oh, yeah? Just yeah. sliding around. This fat fuck <laughs> just being a, uh, a sloth. 300-pound slug just c- c- climbing around. <laughs> gathering <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> gathering. Ah. Uh, I've been caught on the barbed wire. Someone uh, shake me free. Don't salt me. Shake me. Stop salting me. <laughs> the French person trying to eat him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wee, wee, Those wee. are snails, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Same shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. One, one, one's got a shell that you can carry with. The other one, you got to put them in Ziploc bags. <laughs> so Curry knew the Ross rifle was a piece of shit, and he spoke his mind, and that angered Sam. Yeah. <laughs> angered the fuck out of Sam because he was supposed to be his pawn. And when oh, the time cry, why you want money? Yeah. Give me a blowjob. Give me a blowy. <laughs> I'm crying. Help me. <laughs> I've been crying for hours, waiting for my son to come home to me, and I can't think of anything. Everyone's complaining about the Rosses, and I said no Ross is great, and everyone's like, no, I don't like the Ross. <laughs> so when the time come came, General Bing. Passed off the command of Canadians' first division to Arthur Curry, and Arthur was knighted in a command dugout by the king himself. And uh, now Arthur was a general, a knight, and division commander, the first Canadian to lead the Canadian troops in World War One, and the only one. Sam was furious because ever since Arthur had uh, seen action and led troops in the trenches. Arthur had rubbed Sam the wrong way. Uh, and Arthur was concerned with his soldiers first and promoted who he saw was ready for the role and would save the most lives to that position. Whereas Sam is like, oh, yeah, you give me a tuggy. Like, you could be an officer. <laughs> give <laughs> that's, me blows. That's how you climb to the top, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sam Hughes absolutely had no fucking clue how World War One was being fought. He was completely removed from the tactics in the scale of the battlefield, and thought that it was no different from any war that had been fought in the 19th century. Remember, it's like an army of snipers, you know, and like World War One was nothing like that. No, you don't snipe. You just gotta throw uh, what, what are those? The Chinese whipping stars. You gotta yeah. blast a few of those real quick. Uh, shurikens. Yeah, shurikens. <laughs> yeah, that. The biggest problem with Curry taking command of the troops was that Sam had petitioned General Bing to promote his son Garnet to the division commander. It's like, you didn't promote my son! Sam is such a bitch, yo. He's always, like, complaining. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. He's, like, making these petitions and all these fucking fake news about everyone, like, fucking spreading gossip. I'm going right to the town center, (laughs) and I'll tell you how this done. I'll show you how Canadians do it without alcohol. No Canadians ever drank alcohol. One I respect. No Roman Catholics. I'll show you how we petition. We get things done. Show them how it's done, Roth. <laughs> so Garnet was actually a terrible leader, and he had abandoned his line prematurely and retreated multiple times on the battlefield. During this, this one of the first battles the Canadians had fought, the Second Battle of Ypres, Garnet had pulled his troops back, exposing Curry's flank which caused Curry to take heavy losses. And Curry had personally ran back his fat tubby slug butt. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He had personally run back to British HQ to uh, ask for troops to reinforce his line. But it was already too late, and his line had been taken by the Germans and overrun. 
But Sam used that fact that Curry had left his troops to get reinforcements and spun it that he had abandoned his post and left men to sound oh, like to me. Man. Just... Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like. But that that it was it was anything but that. He I mean he's the commander. He's not supposed to be on the front line to begin with. Right. He's running back to seven eleven so the guy behind the counter can call the police. <laughs> but it's just like, hey, he like ran he to seven eleven because he wanted some twankies. Yeah. <laughs> so um Sam used the armchair general had found his new target, one of the greatest generals of World War One, Arthur Curry. And when the idea of creating a second Canadian division arose, Sam, uh, Garnet Hughes' name was at the top of the list of command. Curry argued against having a second division in the war office because he said it would stretch Canada's forces too thin and their ability to operate as shock troops, which was true. But so he personally shot down the idea of having Garnet take that that position, and that was another thing that Sam fucking hated about him. Mm. So back in Canada, Sam is going buck wild. He's attacking Curry. He's attacking liberals. Anyone with German heritage was labeled as a spy, and he was just like ah. completely off the collar. He would take some trips over to Europe to get his recognition that he needed, but the soldiers hated him, and uh, you know he would have them parade with these. He would have these tired, shell-shocked men parade and stand at attention for him. Look how happy they are. <laughs> yeah. I want to go home, please. <laughs> <laughs> my feet stink. I have no shoes. <laughs> Where my shoes go? They dissolved. Here, put the Roscoe in your hands. March. <laughs> Spock, dude. I bought... I, 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 got, I got a coupon for Domino's. I'm going to get you a lot of Domino's. Are you done with this? Okay, you understand? I can't see from the mustard gas. <laughs> <laughs> your face looks like a meatball, but you're full of Canadian pride. <laughs> okay. So Sam cried to the war office now, and he, oh. he 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 was like, make me a lieutenant general. I'm not a general. I need to be a general. And they gave him to him. And like, yeah, okay, Sam, you're going to be a general. Mm. Sounds easy in Canada. Just like, yeah. He, this guy was such an asshole and so persistent that he just got his way. That mm. was like his tactic. Mm. He was just, you know, Canadians are polite. They're too nice. Like, oh, fuck, I can't be yelled at this guy. <laughs> yeah, Canadians, oh, take wow. a lesson from this. Be not as nice. <laughs> so during the summer of 1916, on a trip to the training fields in England, Sam had finally crossed the line. Prime Minister Borden. Oh, finally? Yeah. Finally, this, <laughs> oh, this wow. fucking nerd? <laughs> yeah. Prime Minister Borden had told Sam specifically on this trip not to give commands or restructure anything without going through the proper channels. You're just here to and be stop here. crying. Yeah, just show up, give your stupid speeches, come back. And when Sam went to the camp, he created a sub-militia consisting of only his cronies and started barking orders and promised that Canada would soon have four divisions. This was the final straw. When Sam returned back to... Uh, Canada Prime Minister Borden gave him the sack and in the words of Lieutenant Colonel J.J. Creelman yeah that's a real man <laughs> yeah J.J. Creelman in responding to Hughes getting the axe he says I don't like to kick a man when he's down but I'm Jeez. but I'm willing to break nine toes in kicking Sam in the stomach or face or anywhere else <laughs> oh thank god yeah but wait not, he might the tenth he might start crying though Boo-hoo. even while Sam was a simple MP uh, minister of Parliament he was still causing trouble 
Um, now, we all know the tremendous loss of life in World War One, um, and by the time of armistice in, on November 11th at 11 a.m., 1918, roughly 9 to 11 million military personnel had been killed. At least 23 million soldiers had been wounded, and millions more were silently suffering from shell shock, oh which is what God. we know of as PTSD. I'd like to right now take a minute of silence on the podcast. Serious shit. That I will cut out in post. <laughs> wow, that was really touching, guys. Right? Wow. <laughs> Good job. Canada had lost uh, 53,900 or 53,638 men. They weren't even close. Like, they didn't need to be there. Right. That's the best part about this. To put this in perspective, the UK had lost 744,000. Austria-Hungary had lost a million. Holy shit. Russia had lost 1.7 million. Yeah, but that's easy. And, that's Germ- yeah, and yeah. Germany had lost 1.8 million. So, I mean, they did lose a lot of men, but, you know... In perspective, there were some saved. There was less. There was less people, but uh, the Canadian public. The thing about the war is that uh, the Canadian public only had heard death counts from the individual battles. So, like Vimy Ridge, uh, which the Canadians had won in this, but in this four-day battle, in four days they lost ten thousand men. Jeez! And at Passchendaele, they wow. lost sixteen thousand men. Oh my God! And that was over the course of a few days. So, and also on top of that, the Germans were circulating papers in Canada saying that the Canadians had lost 200,000 troops. Wow. So these numbers scared the public, and for many of whom had loved ones over on the front. So slimy Sam Hughes came in. Now he's, he's, not, the, he's not the minister anymore, he's just a regular MP. He starts labeling Sam, or he starts labeling Arthur Curry as the butcher. You know, saying that he was incompetent and his drive was for recognition. He was carelessly sending the boys into the meat grinder. Absolutely. <laughs> right? So this could not be further from the truth because Arthur was general was, was really one of those generals that cared about his troops. He grieved for them and he for personally felt responsible. Uh, there were many times where Arthur got an order from the British War Office that he didn't agree with and he would argue and put his... his he risked getting a court martial to like get more information or like you know try to survey wow. the you know battlefield better for his boys you know mm. back to sam uh, in the final 2 years of the war sam tried to start a third party political party called simply the war party <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> which would bummer. overthrow the canadian government <laughs> oh that's good Come on, yeah. sam just the war party at this point in the eyes of Parliament, Sam was a complete joke. Uh, but this joke still had teeth. Many of the conservative people, his pundits and the conservative press, believed all of his bullshit. And, I mean, it became very evident to people that knew him personally that he was becoming extremely paranoid and showing signs of dementia. Um, oh. So... When the war was over, Sam continued to call Curry the butcher, saying that Curry was a murderer, a coward, a drunkard, almost everything bad and vile on this planet. He wow. even he even tried to summarily a uh, court summarily summarily. I'm nice. drunk. I'm drunk, and I'm drinking Canadian beer. Dude, this Some, Canadian beer gets you fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's trying to summarily court martial him. You guys want to go Tim Hortons after this? Yeah, yeah bro. Yeah, I got my boots Fuck in the yeah. truck. 
Nice. So he tried to get him court-martialed and punished to the extent of the law. Obviously, the military brass didn't listen to this lunatic at this point. But the people did. The average soldier who fought under Sam, who didn't really see what he was doing behind the lines, and just saw, like, you know, their friends getting blown up, and, like, they kind of start started to buy into Sam's bullshit, too. So, like, mm. the people and the soldiers. So this Arthur Curry, a war hero, an overall solid dude, was labeled for malicious attacks and, like, just murdering the soldiers... And this stigma about this guy lasted way long after Sam had died. Like, he lived his almost his entire life being labeled like a murderer. Imagine if Sam had a Facebook. How much fake news he'd be spreading. Yeah, for oh, real, dog. It's wild, man. I just lit a candle. For the soldiers. Yeah, for all of them. All right, now that you lit the candle, blow it out and ask me a question. All right, ready, everyone? Is this because I smell? <laughs> God damn it, Mike, why did you talk Ooh. over that? <laughs> what is that, Midnight Wish? Uh, right now I just blew out a sea kelp and bergamot. Why are you burning kelp? Whatever, dude. I don't care. <laughs> so how did Sam Hughes, the actor, die? <laughs> yep. In in the summer of 1921, at the age of 69, sexual. Good year, yeah. Woo! Yeah, smoking pipes, dude. Sam was not doing too hot. He had... Oh. He had per- pernicus amnia. Which I heard you can avoid if you just have a drink. Yeah, of B12. Yeah, or any drink, because yeah. he didn't drink liquor. Yeah, well... He didn't yeah. drink party liquor. He probably so. should drink this Labatt Blue. Yeah. Um. No, basically he had a, a deadly vitamin B12 deficiency. Let's drink a Red Bull. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So... Um, how do you die from that? Yeah, af- so after having three blood transfusions, Whoa. Uh, the doctor, in hopes of making him feel better, the doctor said he didn't have long to live. Mm. Because apparently if you don't have B12 in your body, you will die. Yeah, you need Red Bull. You need Red Bull. It's official Does endorsement. Does Red Bull really have that in it? Vitamin B? Yeah, yeah. but B12, dude. B12. They got loads of that. It gives you energy. Dude, really? you, dude, you know what Tony Hawk does before he does a fucking sick 900? He takes a shot of B12 in the anus. I wouldn't doubt it. Mm. Guess those juices running. Sometimes he overspins it. Almost gets that 1080, much. dude. Almost had... Almost 1080s, but then he comes back a bit, you know, because he's got back that... back to reality. He's got that excitement, those... dude. Tony Hawk's smart. He understands B12. He he can do 12 times 12. It's 144 any time of the day. Dude, I think he endorsed nice. B12. A long time ago. Yeah. He's so good at math. Yeah, B12. That's sixth grade, dude. You 12? B12. B12. (laughs) (laughs) So Sam took his private rail car to his hunting lodge in the country. And because he was bedridden at the time, the conductor asked him if he wanted to go slow. To which Sam <laughs> to which Sam responded, No, tell them to go like the blazes. Ah. Uh-huh. And he got to that hunting lodge. Great. So Sam spent the final week surrounded by Garnet and the rest of his family. Hundreds of constituents showed up to pay their respect. E- uh, but even while he was in bed, he was still talking shit and bad mouthing Arthur Curry. That's how you could tell he's a stable person. Yeah, right? So <laughs> exactly. the last stuck minute. to his guns. Yep. And on August 26, 1921. Sam said his final fuck you and died. It's great. Canadian <laughs> summers. Yep. And that's I like Sam it. Hughes. Well, I'd clap, but I don't want to ruin the audio. <laughs> oh, I've been doing that. I say we all get knighted. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you so get on you guys, that mic. 
So I oh so I read this I read this uh, basically I was at the bookstore and I read the I saw a book called The Madman and the Butcher by Tim Cook, not Apple Tim Cook or maybe Apple. Tim Are you sure Tim Cook? I don't think that dude reads. No, man. I don't think he reads either. But no. I saw this book in the bookstore and I just picked it up and I read it. I was like, this is great. This is a great dude. So this he's is how you dumb, found this guy? Yeah, he's you, a dumb idiot. You went to the bookstore? Yeah. Well, let me tell you something about Roastmore and Podcast. We like reading books. We do. We're smart. That's why as you hell. should go on our mm. Patreon so we can buy more books and get smarter. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, so I think we've all kind of laid down how we feel about this idiot. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, fantastic gentleman who really understands what he believes in. I mean, I think if you put him as like a free spirit, I would say. Yeah, I think if you like had a slug, he would probably put salt on the slug. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> well, he's French Canadian, right? Him? No. Oh, he's not Sam, French. No one's French Canadian. No, he's not French Canadian. He hates the French Canadians. Oh. He's a Canadian. He's British Canadian. Oh, British yeah. Canadian. Uh-huh. That's fine, Mike. We're all here together. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, look, Mike, go do a kickflip. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we're all gonna do. We're going to do kickflips outside. I'm going to kickflip over Mike's deck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thanks for tuning in to Roast Mortem coverage of Sam Hughes. I've learned a lot about Canada in general. Yeah. You know, uh, that country never ceases to amaze me. How do you have so much land and you you just make friends the whole time? I wish I could go up there and make friends and, like, hang out with Ross and Chandler. And Yeah. Remember their apartment they had in Toronto? Yeah. And then it's like huge. Drake, it's extremely and Drake, expensive. Now. And then Drake was there, and like he was in a wheelchair, and like it was like down and 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 Yeah, it was like one of those old buildings, so Drake couldn't get up to their apartment, <laughs> so he just waited yelling. out front at the coffee shop for them. <laughs> but that's friends. That's Canadian friends. Thank you for tuning in for the coverage of Canadian friends here at Roast Mortem Podcast. I had a great time listening to Travis get words right. Yeah, I did some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you follow us if for some reason you don't already? We got the Twitter, we got the Instagram, Roast Mortem Cast, and then we got a a Gmail. You can choose a, a lovely email. We just got a lovely email. Yeah, we just got <laughs> one the other day. We're just writhing with joy about it. I, we had them framed in each of our on each of our fridges. We frame all of our emails, even the ones from Squarespace. <laughs> Or eBay, <laughs> all those ones. We yeah. frame them all. I'm running out of wall space. Uh, yeah, we also got the Patreon, patreon.com slash roastmortemcast. Hit us up there. Uh, you don't even have to give us money. You could just, like, say fuck you there. Yeah, But, you, you know, let's be real. <laughs> give us money, because we got books to read. We got Labatt to drink. Look, I We love- got Miller Lite. Yeah, that premium beer. We, we do not fuck around here, not one bit. And you can follow me, Tom, at Saunched, S-A-U-N-T-C-H-T, on Twitter. You can follow me at Travis Legion with two E's or hops. I just straight up hops at Gmail. All right, cool. You can find me on the Twitter at Cody McCann, C-O-D-Y-M-C-C-A-N-N. And you can find me at Mike Regan with two N's. I think the moral of this whole episode is just yell loud enough and it is facts. Yeah. So just yeah. go out there and make facts. When if you, you cry, you'll Alex get your Jones way. approach. Yeah, cry, you'll Crying get your, your way. way to the top works. Yeah. Mm. So go cry out there. Use onions. Applause to everyone crying right now. Drop those tears. If you're crying, if you're crying, you don't you know have it. enough of shit to do. Whoa. Thank you, Shane. Drake, Shane. Thank you.
the end of the episode happen? Are we doing this thing that we usually do? It's, Travis, it's the end of the episode. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. But now we gonna kill some people again. I have not done an obituary in quite some time. Don't really care. Don't really care because these are my friends dying. Yeah. You might, you might look at this as like fun and games if you've never been obituized. Yeah. If you're a new listener, it doesn't matter. These are dead people we're talking about. And we're talking about dead people who like us. Pay your respects to people that like me and my friends. That's right. Take I that. have to be honest, I've only just hit record now, guys. Oh. All right, Cody, that's fine. We have that's to start cool. over again. Because no, no, Cody... we're good. He wasn't no, 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 really no, saying keep my, anything. Keep the shitty, keep the shitty Discord. No, no, it's in, okay, people Cody. People will be confused why it's uh, it, why it sounds amazing. All of a wait, time. you weren't recording this entire episode. Wow. Whoa. Oops. <laughs> All right. So, Tom, who is the first person that's going to die? All right, our first person is a gentleman by the name Art Perez, and Art Perez. One thing I do know is that. Art lives out in Minnesota, which is the land of lakes. Wait, is that where the butter comes from? I think so, dude. Uh, wow. And if that's where the not the case, come from. yeah, definitely the L.A. Lakers from Minnesota. Uh, no, Michigan. If you uh, if you didn't know this, it's known as the land of ten thousand lakes, but there's actually closer to twelve thousand. So whoever fucked that up, probably dead already. Not going to talk about that person. Tell me. We'll roast him. Yeah, so imagine this. You're living in Minnesota, and when you live in Minnesota, you have to live on a lake, and you have to go jet skiing every day, uh, especially if you're in, in trouble with the law or something like that. You know, <laughs> you made that uh, illegal left on red, and now you got to go, there you go, go serve time, community service. Community service out in Minnesota, jet skiing for hours, for <laughs> leeches entertainments, orphaned leeches. That's You, you have to entertain for the orphaned leeches, well, yeah, you, you know? You them up. you got to oh work God. their minds a little bit. Yeah. Doesn't sound that bad. It sounds bad if you think about this. These are orphaned leeches. They don't have any principles because their parents, they don't have them. Their parents didn't care. They left them. They left them in the lake. And now you have to go there because... So Art Perez makes an illegal left on red. You understand? So he's got this... You can't be doing that. It's hard, man. But he's rushing somewhere. So he goes to court and they're like, oh, you got to do a thousand hours of jet skiing over these orphaned leeches. (laughs) (laughs) Well... That's very specific. He's about a few hundred hours in to his community service for these orphaned leeches. Dude, his calves are probably so big right now. <laughs> dude, Art's killing it, all right? My dude out there, he's doing his community service. He's doing everything right. He's getting library books. Like, he's bringing them to the jet ski. He's like, oh, here's here it is. Here's books I got for free. They're not that good. They have typos and shit because they're from Mexico. But whatever. So Art's doing his job. And then all of a sudden, we got an angry daddy leech who decides he wants his kids back. Ooh. And this leech has oh, got no, no, no time for this. He's like, you're not going to teach my kids how to read this bullshit. Nuh-uh. Because, you know, also Angry Daddy is a professor, literature professor. So he's trying to teach all the other kids. And you're just like, I'm just doing my job. That's you right now. I'm just <laughs> doing my job. Oops. Daddy leech comes out, sucks that whole dick off the body. <laughs> That's what they do. Sucks him dry. Sucks him dry. You got fucking uh, a sun-baked Art Perez cruising away (laughs) on a jet ski into the sunset. Dead as all hell. And that is how Art gets it. Thank you very much, Art, for your Patreon. Yeah, you crazy-ass motherfucker. Yes, and we we appreciate that, uh, you know, Patreon is, even though you're dead or not, we still get your money after you're dead because it's uh, automatic payments. So, (laughs) Cody, who's the next person that's dead? 
Next person dead is the one, the only, Love the Bob-omb. Mm. And a uh, quick look at his uh, Instagrams suggests he's a man of beer and tabletop games. That's a fine combination, if I do say so myself. It's also, I think, has one of the best names in the business. It's good. Video game <laughs> reference. Sex. No, I mean, his name, is, his name is a great name. Travis. You know, it's probably oh, good. okay. You doxing? You doxing some? <sighs> I'm not doxing. These people do give up their information beforehand. Yeah. And I'm... Mm. You know, I, I just know that they don't care. They don't care. They listen to this podcast. They're beyond. They're enlightened. Yeah. You can have their information. They matter. woke as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Take it. All right. So tell us how Travis dies. So alongside the pictures of tabletop games and beer drinking, you can also see him extracting honey from a hive. He's a beekeeper or at least shares interest with beekeepers. That should so be illegal. One day. One day he's out there, he's suiting up, he's getting ready to uh, get down and sticky with them bitches, with them flying buzzy bitches. He's there, he's smoking out the hive, he's using the bellow. Oh, yeah, and, bro. And uh, just, what's that? Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just, just as he's pulling the first honeycomb out, he notices something in the air. Something not right. Me, what honeycomb? He's through his suit. Like, what's going on? He's freaking out. He's, he drops the honeycomb. He looks around, and he notices it's not regular smoke, but PCP smoke. His goddamn beekeeping intern fucked up and switched everything. Oh, shit. A beekeeping intern? Wow. Yeah, you know those. I didn't want to directly attribute him to mishandling PCP, so... It was the intern's fault, right, Mike? That's right. <laughs> He's not paid to say that. So the bees are super aggressive, they're tearing apart, they're going through the protection of this suit. Love the Bob-Ob takes out his trusty revolver, puts a bee in his gun sights, and fires off all six shots. It's they all hit, but this bee does not die. Wait, is one he bee or did he just kill six bees? No, 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 he, he, he unloads six into one, but the bee keeps coming. You know okay. how PCP is, right, right, Travis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. BCP? Oh, I like that. Let's get a uh, Jerry Seinfeld to plug that later. <laughs> so the PCP riddled bees are coming at him all 800 strong. And Love the Bob Omb does the standard Saturday morning cartoon thing and just jumps into the nearest lake. Mm -hmm. But hey, these are bees on PCP. They don't give a fuck. They don't give a single fuck about physics. So the bees go in the lake, drag them out, and just stomp them to fucking death right then and there. Oh my god. Wow. Rest in peace. Love the Bob Omb. Wait, with their erect stingers? <laughs> How erect were their stingers? This is the birds and the so, bees conversation. Again. So erect. All right, cool. Africanized erect. Oh. <laughs> wow. Right, very racy right there. Yeah. Lexington steel erect. <laughs> All right. Mm. And our last person to die is Jojo from Australia down under Great Southern North. Oh, good day, mate. Yeah. <laughs> southern right? North. I like the Southern yeah, North. Yeah, it's where you go when, if it's summertime here, you go down there, it's wintertime. I don't even know how it works. It's something like that. Yeah. It's where they flush the other way. It's pretty neat. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you, JoJo, for supporting us on the Patreon. And now you're going to die. Because, all right, I've been all about <laughs> this thing in Australia right now. I just bought a t-shirt about it. Have you guys heard of the bin chicken? Yes. No. 
The bin yes, chicken. I have, I, I have heard of it. Sorry, I was drinking more beer. The bin chicken is an, uh, an ibis, and it's their equivalent to a pigeon, but it's grosser. It, like, poops on things. So. Ew. <laughs> yeah, but pigeons poop on no, things. They like, what, the, no, they don't. No, they don't. Anyway. What is it's like a vulture right. pigeon. Is, so, that, <laughs> is that liquid whiteout? Yeah. What are they doing, pigeons? <laughs> They're just leaving. They're doing something. All right, well, whatever. She is... She's doing a photo shoot because she does a lot of cosplaying. She dresses up as Canada's own uh, uh, Dingo McDingus, the girl kangaroo boy shrimp child. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a well, I mean, you guys don't know who that it's is. It's well known. In, uh, but she would know because she's from Australia. In Queensland, they yeah. have that. Yeah. I, yeah. Standard I diet is babies. So she's doing this photo shoot. She's got shrimp on all fingers because that's part of the character. Mm-hmm. Right? And, uh-huh. oh, good day, mate. Shrimping. <laughs> oh, you get a shrimp and you get a shrimp. And she's like, all right, well, uh, I'm a little hungry. And she goes, eat one of the shrimp. And she, she had very long nails. Mm-hmm. Like, and the shrimps were attached yeah, to the nails. Like Oprah shrimp. She whips it up and she goes, oh, no. and it goes over her head into a dumpster behind her back. Because she's doing this photo shoot in front of a dumpster. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it in Australia. Yeah, so she walks over the dumpster. She's like, let me get this shrimp out of the dumpster, you know. And I've only got ten of them and I'm really hungry. And she goes in there. A whole pack of bin chickens. Oh, baby ones or full-grown? Full-grown beast bin chickens. That's disgusting. And they're just looking at wow. up, up at her with beady eyes and they go over, uh, you know, Australian sounds they make. Good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. Good day. And they see the shrimp on her fingers. And let me tell you, <laughs> it's kind of like the bee thing you're talking about, but let me tell you, bin chickens, yeah. when they go after shrimp, way more vicious than bees. Really? And she's how big are their stingers? Their stingers are, are they're sturdy. They're sturdy and they're lengthy and girthy. All right, and they go to town on it. They eat. They rip her to shred like uh, like it's one of those Australian Burger Kings. Yeah, and then oh, Hungry Jack. That's how you die. You death by bin chicken. Death by bin chicken. Getting shredded. Wow. Shouldn't have uh, dressed up as didgeridoo McDingus girl baby child. That reminds me of the scarabs in the Mummy, which is just over 20 years old now, uh, which Mm. I know is something you were pretty upset about. I missed the 20th anniversary of the Mummy. Yeah. Well, here we are. Brendan Fraser ages like fine milk. Yes, he does. Yeah, man. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you, Shane, for listening. Bye.